Welcome to Bruise and Banter FC, where we break down the EPL action with a side of banter. I'm Redbeard, joined by the football maestro, Targo. That's right, man. Get ready for the lowdown that happened on match day 14, and we take a sneak peek into match day 15. We've got all you guys covered. So grab a brew, hit play, let the banter flow, because an all-new episode of Bruise and Banter FC starts right now. What is up, man? What a weekend of football it was. What are you what are you drinking for this episode? Watching it all down with. I know, man. I need a big old beer. Watch this one down with. So I got one the size of my massive head. Uh it's Samuel <laughs> Smith's Winter Welcome Ale. It says brewed Winter at Welcome Yorkshire's... Ale. Yeah, it's all the way from England, matter of fact. Uh brewed from at Yorkshire's oldest brewery. There's a lot going on here, if you can't see that. I cannot see it. A lot. It's a well, lot. Let us know it's how it tastes, man. Let us know how it tastes. Well, this is, came all the way across the pond. The thing I'm most excited about with this one is it's an actual pint. Like, my cup is full. So, very excited well, Aren't about you it. lucky? Us American pints over here are always slightly not quite there. Just not quite there. Right. Not quite. Just a couple ounces missing. Um, Someone could say that about us, was... too, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely missing. I'd say a few. that about you. That's for sure. Yeah. Definitely a missing. A couple ounces a few. missing. Yeah. Just off the top there. Um, it's good. It's a, it's a winter ale. So very. Sounds up your alley. Yeah. Very uh, rich in barley and malt. Pretty good. Nothing to write home about. Um, Seven. Seven? Yeah. Yeah. Seven. I can tell from the look on your face. You're like, eh. That's yeah. average. Yeah. A lot of beer, but it's eh. It's average beer. <laughs> well, I am drinking Matchless, the Grail, Easy IPA. Did you bless that first? Oh. <laughs> Here's a quick blessing. <laughs> I have never had this beer, man. I will give it a try. That is a pretty good beer. I like it. Is, it. is it the grail of beers? Um, no, no, it's not. It's it's not as flavorful as most hazies. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty mild. Hmm. So I would give it. I'll give it a seven and a half. Okay. Well. The if you saw it, you might buy it again if there's nothing better to choose. So yeah, I, I would drink it again for sure if it was you know there, but I wouldn't seek it out. No, not like those other hazies we had this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> those were good. Those were good. Well, speaking of this weekend, Targo, let's get into match week fourteen in the English Premier League. To kick it all off, we had Brentford against Luton Town. Brentford would win this one three to one taking the lead all the way in the 49th minute through Neil Mope after a Jan Visa cross flicked on by Ben Mee. Mope, who put it away, gave the home side the lead at the G-Tech Stadium. 
Then me would be involved in the second one, make it 2-0 for the Bees off of a corner in the 56th minute. Did take a, a wicked deflection. Yeah. yeah. Even that first one, that was just kind of lucky. Fell for Mope. Just, <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Pretty much the story of Luton's season. Just momentary lapse in defending. Or focus. Slash unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to be Luton. Yeah, Luton would get back into the match with a shout in the 76th minute as Jacob Brown would capitalize on a Yan Elt poor tackle to put it into the back of the net. It's very poor, and I'll be honest, it's so bad it almost looks like he slips. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad, yeah. <laughs> Just lets us forward the forward there for Luton go right through yeah i don't know what he was saying there man <laughs> yeah, i don't either i know six year olds that make better tackles than that <laughs> right and a lot of times they just fall over so yeah so that kind of sums it up Brentford would put the match away in the 81st minute as shannon baptiste would dribble through the Luton defense and put a powerful drive into the back of the net after a fantastic parry by kaminsky would land at his feet again Another kind of unlucky for Luton. Kaminsky makes a fantastic save. Falls right to a Brentford forward who just has the easiest job to tap it in. Yeah, let's tap it in. Good for us. We tap both picked Brentford to win this one. So We did. We did both pick Brentford. One match that uh, I don't know if anyone really saw coming as far as a blowout goes. Burnley played Sheffield United in this bottom of the table six-pointer. And Burnley would score almost as many goals as they'd scored all season, winning 5-0. Bro, they finally got a win at home after eight <laughs> games. Was it eight, or was this the ninth game? They lost eight in a row. I don't know. It was a it was bad shit ton, is all I know. It was yeah. a lot. Like a record or something. <laughs> well, Jay Rodriguez would kick this match off in style, essentially right off kickoff. Nice seconds, header. man. Seconds into the game. <laughs> Jacob Brun Larson would make it 2-0 in the 29th minute. And then Ollie McBurney would be sent off in first half stoppage time with a second yellow. Pretty much he decided to throw this bow, gone in yellow, threw the other bow, got a yellow. <laughs> threw his arms up. Put his up arms up. Red card. <laughs> <laughs> On his Pretty way to the locker <laughs> And uh, Ziki, that, Burnley I'm, were just cruise control, man. Oh, yeah. It, easy sledding for them because Ziki Amduni would make it 3-0 in the 73rd minute. And just two minutes later, the, pretty much the star of the show for Burnley all season, Koliocho would make it 4-0. Koli How good is he Ocho? Ocho? Ocho, number eight. Ocho Cinco. Ocho. Ocho yeah, dude, Cinco. he has been their best player this season. He's a fantastic winger. Yeah. He is a stud and was he 19? Something like that. Very He's young. young yeah. yeah. Probably won't be saying it Burnley when they get relegated. And that's for sure. Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. Josh Brownhill would finish off the blowout in the 80th minute with a thumping goal. And, you know, it really shows the golfing class between Sheffield United and really the rest of the relegation threatened sides. What do you mean? Like Luton? Luton are above them. Everton? Everton are literally they're only better than one team. And that team is Sheffield. No, I was saying Sheffield United. There's a gap between them and everybody else. Oh, okay, I Sheffield got you. United I thought you were saying worse. Burnley. No, I'm saying better than. Burnley okay. is really bad, and Sheffield United is that much worse. 
Okay, yep. Yes. That's a fact. Yes. Yeah. Sheffield are that bad. <laughs> They're really bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean What do you do if you're Sheffield United? You're Get Sheffield a new United. Coach, try something new. What do you do? Do you keep with this manager, look to a new one? I would say look to a new one at this point. See how far he can take you, you know, till pretty much the Christmas break, which is right after the new year. Sorry, the January break. But once you want to get rid of, if you are going to get rid of a manager, once you want to get rid of them before that, so you could get someone in to look at a few games, see what they need, (sighs) maybe spend some money in January, or are you just sticking with them saying, you know what, he got us to the Premier League, we'll stick with him. I I want to say a little bit of both. It's more because you can't there's pick so both, man. You got one or the well, other. Well, you're asking if if I get this right, you're asking like why would you stick with him or would you get rid of somebody? And the reason why I get rid of him is because there's so many games coming up. If you hire someone new, they'd have zero time to implement their new play style. But you get players. a new manager bounce. Yeah, but you got like three days in between every single game from here until the end of the calendar year. I guess, to your point, it's not going to get any worse. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess, okay, say, here, let's look at their schedule, Sheffield. They got Liverpool next, so okay, that sucks uh-huh. for them. Brentford at home. Then they got to go to Stamford Bridge and play Chelsea. Then they got to go to Villa. And then they finally play Luton at the end of December, the day after Christmas. Do you see them getting any points from those next four games? No. And so even, here we are. It's going to be the one. end of the year. And they are still sitting on five points. Five points. <laughs> and now they're, instead of being four points from safety, they're 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and so that's I, what yeah. I'm saying. Like, if you're going to make a change, man, I've, Honestly, do it now. You're probably going to lose those games anyway. Yeah. At least you get a new manager who can maybe get some kind of result against Brentford, maybe. I don't know. Chelsea? Chelsea, yeah. That's until the very end of December. That's after Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. And I think, again, you're going to want someone in there to see the squad, see what they need to maybe try to get someone in January, if that's the route you go. I, I Don't get me wrong. I see an argument for both ends of it. Keeping yeah. him and just sticking with it. I mean, what are the odds he's the first manager to to go? Quite pretty high. Probably pretty good. Yeah, I don't think Vegas would really take that bet if you went that direction. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But that's a great question. What do you guys think? Will he be the first manager fired? Let us know by uh, checking out our social media. So Facebook, our Facebook group, Instagram. Let us know on YouTube as well. Make sure you're hitting that notification bell, like, and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate it. On to the next match, Nottingham Forest and Everton. Yeah. In a match where Forest enjoyed the majority of the possession, Everton would get off the mark late in this one with a majestic strike from Dwight McNeil, smashed his volley home into the top corner of the net. Good result for Everton, man. Thumbs yeah. up the entire match right there because there was Not nothing easy else to, to go <laughs> away to Forest and get the win, and they did. And you know, they needed that after that 10 point deduction. So, Everton, they're sitting in 18th on seven points, 
Forest, though, man, they they could use a win here. They got one win in their last five. They're sitting in 15th place on 13 points. Yeah, and with the teams below them starting to pick up points. That's a little scary for Steve Cooper, huh? Yeah. The the only positive I would say about this match is Forrest did hit the post twice, but they didn't really look dangerous other than those two attacking plays. So I they're they're missing Awani real bad right now. Chris Wood as their center forward does not uh, instill any hope if you're a Forest no. fan. No. But, yep. That one was a uh, snooze fest. If anyone stayed awake during that game, good for you. We tried. Next up. Yeah, we tried. Arsenal took on Wolves next. Arsenal winning 2-1 to one in this one, going top of the table with a win versus a banged-up Wolves side. Mikayo Saka will get the Gunners off the mark with a wonderful piece of interplay with Gabriel Jesus and Martin Odegaard. Allow him to get behind the Wolves' defense, get a fortunate bounce off of... Is it Dawson? Was it? I think it was I Dawson, yeah. It was. Uh, and then slot it home from, what, three yards out? Four yards out. Yeah. Yeah. Gabriel Jesus would be involved again in the second when he would play a wonderful one-two with Zinchenko, who played the ball across for Odegaard, who sweetly slotted it home. Dude, this was such a beautiful team goal. Like, I mean, if you're a Wolves defender, you just kind of put your hands up and say, well, <laughs> shit. Can't just, do, yeah, give him slow, a little clap. Low clap. Like, what, what do you do? You really can't do anything. The Arsenal we've been wanting to see all season. Could they keep it up for the rest of the game? It looked like they went back down into second gear after that. As well as we get one back in the second half through Matthias Cunha, but the match was already done and dusted. And man, was that a terrible giveaway by Zinchenko or what? Terrible, man. Like I, So here's my overall assessment of this game is, yeah, Arsenal for the first, first half, first 25 minutes, phenomenal. I mean, it didn't look like Wolves were going to get a sniff of anything. Second half rolls around, and he, like you said, they let their foot off the gear. They had some chances they could have made. Trossard got put through on goal, and Ketty, I think, hit the crossfire post. And then just complacent. I don't know what to say about Zinchenko, except complacent. Yeah. Getting the ball away like that on the edge of your box. And it, yeah, I... I, I every last few minutes. <laughs> Arsenal are frustrating, man. Like, as a neutral or as an Arsenal fan, like, we are, they're frustrating. Because for the first 26, 28 minutes of this match, I would have said that was the best football I've seen from any team all season. But after that, they look like they literally just stopped caring. It kind of was. It kind of was that where they got their two goals. It was almost like, okay, we're going to go crush this team in 20 minutes, which they did. And then now we can, okay, look, they're almost looking forward to the next game. That's what it seemed like. Pretty much. Pretty much. And I, that's going to bite them in the ass more than once this season if they keep doing that against teams that they should beat. I mean, I understand doing it when you're up 4 0, but up 2 0, that's the most dangerous scoreline in all of football. Well, I guess here, let me flip it. I'm going to flip it for you. Okay. So they were up 2-0, comfortable, they get one scored. Versus if you think of last season, you know, we've been talking about Arsenal from this season to last season, where last season they were playing that free-flowing, very attacking football. A game like this, though, could have been the opposite. Or as you remember last year, it was more last-minute winners, Mm last-minute draws. Versus now it's, okay, we're comfortable, and now, okay, we let one slip. 
So you can look at it that way as well. Try to think of it as a glass half full type yeah. of situation. Yeah, I mean, Throw a you're 100% correct. There. Yeah, and I mean, Arsenal have the best defense in the Premier League, leading almost every single defensive category. But having this lapse of focus in big games is going to cost you. So it'll be interesting to see the rest of the season if they can kind of weed that out as they go along. As Manchester City has shown... Zinchenko, man. Zinchenko will let it go in. Yes. Yes, he will. His, uh, his lack of focus reminds me of that quote from Aaron Ramsdale. Oh, gosh. Just think of it this way. He let this goal in so that he could save that goal on the line against Brentford. <laughs> I, you know, if that's if that's what it is, I will he take had, it. He had one I, in the bank. He had one in the bank that he had to get rid of. So okay. now he's even. Well, I'll, I'll let him have that one. I'll let him have that one. Next up, we had one of the biggest matches of the weekend. Newcastle against Manchester United, a banged-up Newcastle side against a high-flying Manchester United side in the Premier League. Can't say that about the Champions League. Give me that look. I don't know if I'd call them high-flying. I mean, they have more points than anybody else. Results-wise, yes, but the play on the field is not high-flying. No, not at all. Newcastle would dominate this game. United would fight to the end. It would end 1-0. Victory for the home side at St. James's Park. They get their goal in the 55th minute as Trippier would play a wonderful ball across for Anthony Gordon to finish with ease. Nick Pope would get hurt late, adding to their injury list. And that brought up a lot of controversy between you and I, and I know we were watching this live, both yelled at the TV. How? Does Anthony Anthony not put this ball in the net while Nick Pope is on the ground? Sportsmanship, man. Who cares? Put it in the net. If they call it back for sportsmanship, fine. He's on the ground. Put the ball in the net. It's 1-1. Now you have one point instead of losing the match. So, yeah, to paint a picture... Nick Pope, when he did go down injured, Anthony had the ball inside the 18-yard box. And you could tell he was looking at the goal, looking for someone to cross into. Nick Pope's on the ground, he, you know, calling for medical attention. You know, he wasn't terribly injured, but it's looking like now he will have to have surgery on his right shoulder, or one shoulder, his left shoulder, I think it was. Yeah. But yeah, I know you and I, you, I know you said, put it in the net, put it in the net. And we were talking about the sportsmanship aspect of it. And you, you, you're a dirty dog is what you are, man. No, I'm not. I'm thinking of the man who had the ball. Does Anthony really have that much sportsmanship? I've seen the way he plays all season. He's dirtier than anybody else. Put it in the net. I would he have applauded though. him for that. He did not. You would have applauded him for that? I, I will At say I was excited ruthless. to see yeah. But honestly, you know, we we watched this game. It was it was an interesting one. It was very much a chess chest match. Chess match. I got to give it up, man, to one of Newcastle's fullbacks. Livermento was fantastic in this game. And I know you've been kind of when Newcastle signed him, you were talking about he's a good player. He's going to be one to watch. Livermento and you're you're not mm-hmm. wrong, man. 
He's lightning, only 21. He's lightning in a bottle. He's so fast. Well, he's good dribbling. And his defensive he's a very work good dribbler. Yeah. better. And he, he was he looks like one heck of a player, and he's you can see he's getting his chance now with Dan Burnout injured. And he's coming back into fitness. I know when he signed for Newcastle, he was injured there for a bit. But I gotta I gotta point him out as one of the players I liked watching in that game. Yeah, he's fun and he's had I love his new signature runs where he literally just dribbles all the way down the field. It is so exciting to watch. But I mean let's let's talk about these two teams for a second. Manchester United and Newcastle. They're right next to each other in the table. Newcastle in sixth, United in seventh. How different do they look as a team? You know, Newcastle looks like a team. You can tell what their mentality is, what they're about, how they all work for each other. Does that describe Manchester United? No, not not even a little bit. I mean... I think the most telling thing is if you you look at Manchester United versus Newcastle and you just look at their goal differential. United's is negative one after this match, and Newcastle's is 18. They're one of the best. I mean, there's only three goals separating United as far as how many they've led in and Newcastle, 14 to 17. But it's the amount of goals scored. Like, Newcastle have literally scored twice the amount of goals as Manchester United, and yet they've been struggling with all of these injuries all season. I think it comes back to Fantastic. being a team, man. It seems like United yeah. seems to be a bunch of individuals, almost. And yeah, honestly, and I, you got to look at the recruiting that. from Newcastle, man. Look at the <laughs> getting Livermento, you know, players like Gimarish and Isak. All these get out Anthony Gordon. <laughs> I was just about to man, say United, that. Man, they get Anthony Hoyland, Casemiro, Erickson, Jaden Sancho. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you look at the way Newcastle have spent money too, right? Like they haven't signed any huge superstar deals where United has spent bucket loads of money on single players. Well, man, then. I- I don't want to throw Ten Hag under the bus, but it's getting hard to defend him when really he's is. had four transfer windows, spent five hundred million, and they're regressed. They've regressed since last season significantly. And so, I, you know, at what point do you look at the manager now? I mean, if you're going to bring in a coach, right, it's not going to be a permanent solution right now for Ten Hag. You need a short-term answer to a long-term solution right now. I but, At this rate, I don't think – I mean, it's only a matter of time if they keep playing like this until he loses the dressing room if he hasn't already. And you and you got to look at the clubs, you know, even just around them <clears throat> in the table. When it works – when you get that new manager and it works, it can really work. Look at Unai Emery, man, at Aston Villa. I mean, Postacoglu even at Spurs. Yeah. Eddie Howe at Newcastle. Roberto De Zerbi at Brighton. And so when it can work, it can work well. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's time. We'll see. I know I've been saying probably need to give him some more time, let him finish out the season but i mean at the end of the season if they don't qualify for champions league 
I think, you know, because there might be five that qualify for Champions League. We'll see, but with the new format. Yeah. But I, I think still, you're, I you're starting think... to think of someone else. I don't think they will either. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I am. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, the perfect man for this job, if you want to shore up your defense and pretty much play to Manchester United's strength as far as the players they have, is go get Antonio Conte. Uh Said short-term solution for a long-term problem. You don't keep him longer than the end of the season. I know it's not a, you know, flashy signing as far as getting someone who's going to play beautiful football, but he gets the job done. That's all I can say. Did he get the job done at Tottenham? Uh, his first couple of seasons. I don't think, was he there that long? I mean, he was only there like two. Okay, his first season. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the second, I guess. But yeah, I mean... Until, got, yeah. until they left, yeah. I'm just saying, someone here picked United to finish 7th this season. And you thought I was crazy. But that's not Well, they're sitting business. in 7th right now, so... That's none we'll of my see. business. <laughs> well, let's move on to a team that we both picked to finish in the Champions League. And are looking Wait, pretty crazy for go. that as well. Chelsea, as they hosted Brighton, man. This one would end 3-2. A couple of goals by Enzo. A Levi Cowell goal. Would see enough to beat Brighton, who could only muster two goals from Buenonote and João Pedro. This was a weird game, I feel like, for Chelsea. So, lots of highs and almost lots of lows within this game. Yeah, and questionable decisions, too. There was, yeah, there was a couple. Not just by the referee, but by players. So, I guess we'll, we'll talk about the goals. Enzo would get the first one, a header, set piece, kind of that second play of, off a set, play, set piece in the 17th. Um, Levi Cole's goal would kind of be similar. That he would score, that one kind of barely crosses the line. I did love how he went to go celebrate and stopped once he realized right. it was, was Brighton. He was celebrating halfway to the corner, and then all of a sudden he just comes up. Not going to do it. in the corner in the Brighton, in front of the yeah. Brighton fans. In front of the Brighton stops. fans. Yeah, the heat of the moment. So it was 2 0 at that point. Chelsea, I would say, played okay, played pretty well up until that point. Yeah. Uh, but Brighton, I feel like they looked the more threatening, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they dominated possession in the match, they had the ball. Up almost to Chelsea's defensive third. But it was like once they got into that third, they couldn't do anything with it. They couldn't. They really, once you got around that 18-yard box, it's like, okay, well, what do we do now? Yeah. Just looking up. Like They were, I mean, they played out to the wing. Nobody would move in the box. So there's nobody making runs. No one trying to play the ball in for their big man, M. Ferguson up front. No one playing that killer ball. And you could tell the difference as soon as Matomo came on. Oh, yeah. But we'll, we'll talk t- about... So they go into halftime, though, at 2-1. Buenonote scores a beautiful rocket of a shot there. And then in stoppage time, Connor Gallagher gets sent off. For a yeah, second this yellow. The, this is the first of the questionable decisions I was referring to. So and don't get me wrong. This is a questionable decision by Connor Gallagher, not the referee. <laughs> 
Moises Caicedo also should have been sent yes. off in this game. Yes, 100%. 100%. He had a yellow card. He made two bad tackles. I don't know how he got away with both of them and didn't get in a second yellow. I'm pretty sure at one point there was a Brighton player asking why he wasn't given another yellow, and then that Brighton player got a yellow. It made no sense. about right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about then the winner for Chelsea. It was Enzo scoring a PK. Mihailo Mudrik gets put through on goal. James Milner was have deemed to have fouled him, bumbled him over in the box. Ref originally did not call a foul. Mm-hmm. And VAR sent him to the monitor to have another look, as VAR deemed this was a clear and obvious error, so he should go look. Is that a clear and obvious error, not calling that a foul? Well, I'll put it this way. Not even the commentator thought it was a penalty kick. I didn't either. This is this is shoulder to shoulder. Yes, okay, Milner's arm is across Mudrick's chest, but Mudrick's not getting to that ball anyways. It's I not think a, it is a foul. It's I'm going to be honest. It's not a penalty. It's I not think a it's penalty. A foul. James Milner bundles into Mudrick, knocking him over as he's through on goal. If you're Mudrick and someone does that to you, you are wanting a foul. Yeah, any Anytime anyone can knock me over on a pitch, yes, I, I, I do want a foul. Because it gets called on me all the time. So, <laughs> And so don't get me wrong, I don't think it's... If the ref goes to the monitor and doesn't give it, I'm not complaining too bad because I'm a neutral. Yeah. But obviously, if you're a Chelsea fan, you think that's a foul. If you're a Brighton fan, you definitely don't think it's a foul. And for me, I, I slightly lean towards I thought it was a foul. I honestly, I, I'm going to, the process was correct. Make Having the ref make the decision, having him go to the monitor to look at it, he made the decision. I'm not upset by it. I don't think it's a penalty at any day of the week. But the process, as far as VAR, was How correct. How is it not a penalty, man? Milner clatters into Mudrick, bringing him down in the box. Shoulder as he's through on goal, one-on-one. Mudrick is tiny. James Milner is a brick shithouse. So when a brick shithouse clatters into someone tiny, it's still a foul. It was 50-50 shoulder to shoulder. That is why I don't think it's a penalty. They're shoulder to shoulder and they're fumbling into someone. (laughs) I think it's a foul. But we'll move on to another game. This one, man, is the game of Colossos. (laughs) We had (laughs) Liverpool hosting Fulham. What a game. What a game. Liverpool take the lead, man. Beautiful free kick from Trent Alexander-Arnold. A bit unlucky. It comes off the crossbar, off of the back of Burn Leno, goes in. Is that like the? Is this like the third or fourth time we've seen this happen this season? Because I like feel the like the fifth, only other man. time, only other time I've seen it was like when a penalty kick hit off the back of Tim Howard's head. And that's no, Jordan Pickford. How long Remember ago. Jordan Pickford that happened to him this season? It's, yeah, it's happened to Quite a couple a few others. This yeah, it's crazy. Happened to Emmy Martinez here mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. But man, Fulham, they equalize through Harry Wilson just four minutes later. And honestly, this one, 
made me question Liverpool's defense a little bit. <laughs> just a, a little bit. Just, and you, just a little bit. Like, watching this game made me question Liverpool's defense, which, I mean, in reality, stats-wise, they only got 14 goals again, so they're not terrible. That's second best in the league. Well, I mean, when you dominate possession and you're always on attack, it's kind of hard for the other team to score, right? But Fulham scored three, so... <laughs> I know. When they do get challenged on defense, they let in goals. Quite a few. Maybe it's worth noting no Allison in this game? I'm sure that had something to do with it, especially for that first one. That could make a difference. I definitely think goalkeeper maybe could have done a little better. The ball kind of goes through him, off of his foot, off his body, and goes in. But Liverpool, man, they get to lead back through a stunner. Alexis McAllister, man, with a half volley from all of what, 20, 30 yards out? Something like that. And this thing was a laser beam. Ooh. What a what a way to score your first goal for Liverpool. Right? Holy cow. Weird saying that's only his first goal, though, and here we are in December. Yeah, it is strange, especially for a guy who is known for his attacking abilities in midfield. I'm guessing it's because he's playing deeper, but... Mm-hmm. Kenny Tete would level right before halftime. Again, shot that kind of goes through the goalkeeper's hands. Kind of through the goalkeeper, uh, yeah. I you asked if say, uh, it would have made a difference if Allison was in this match? I think it would have. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's two instances right there. So Fulham will make it 3-2 with a De Cordova read header in the 80th. And so there's three goals in the last 10 minutes of this game. Because Wataro Endo Man would put a shot top bins after a Mo Salah layoff to make it 3-3 in the 87th. Before Mr. Trent Alexander Arnold gets the late winner with a fantastic strike. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Leno could have done anything against any of these goals. No, not at all. Doesn't matter what goalkeeper's there, they're going in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, unless man, you put a gotta... brick wall in front of the goal, there, there's no way that any keeper no. in the world is saving any of those. What'd you think of Darwin Nunez's new hairdo? Yeah. The braided pigtails. Yeah. It's like he wants to be Erling Holland, but he's not cool enough to pull off the hair. Or good enough? Because he definitely missed some chances in this game. Yeah. Yeah. He he misses the easy ones and scores the spectacular, but I mean the potential is so high for him. And he's so wasteful. So wasteful. Maybe it was the hairdo. I don't know. But he's been missing chances balance, all season, huh? and he hasn't had it. Maybe he was trying to channel his inner Britney Spears so he could say, oops, I did it again. <laughs> uh, did you write that one down beforehand? I swear. No. Just off top of the dome. <laughs> Remember you said, I have a couple of ounces missing. Well, there you go. They're getting, they're getting filled up now, huh? <laughs> Right here, my friend. Right here. Oh, man. All right. But what a game. That was a fun one to watch. Next game we watched was West Ham against Crystal Palace. This one ended 1-1. Kudis' early strike would be canceled out by Edson Edouard. 
I mean, I don't know what to tell you. This is West Ham against Crystal Palace. Did you expect anything less? I mean, I called a draw. Yeah. No, got I got it right. I, really? I, I picked West Ham because I thought they might nick a goal at the end of it, but that that's, that's really it. And good job picking a draw on this one. It could have, yeah, it looked like a draw the whole match, to be honest with you. I'd say West Ham probably could have had a winner, but yeah. I mean, Kudis with a nice first-time finish that, again, kind of goes through Johnstone. Could he have done better? I'm yeah. not a goalie coach. Never really played goalie, unless I had to. Yeah, I, I think he, he could have. Maybe gotten a foot to it instead or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk it up to a nice goal by Kudis. Maybe the first-time finish caught him off guard type of thing. Probably. Yeah, because when you watch a replay, you never really see where the goalie's feet are when the ball is hit. So he That's could have been a fun traveling. one. When you can see where their feet are and you see a shot come in and they had taken that bounce that they usually mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. and they're like, they have to wait to fall before they can. Yeah, that's a fun one to watch. But there's a there's a situation in this game. Kudis whips in a cross that Socek tries to swing a foot at. He misses. But then the ball goes into the net without anyone else touching it. It was called for offsides as it was deemed Socek interfered. Do you think that was the correct call? Um, I'm going to go with, yeah, I think so. Usually when an attacker makes a play at a ball like that, it's throwing somebody off, especially if their action like doesn't get touched by anybody so yeah i would say so and i i guess today i'm feeling nice to johnstone you are i i i don't know maybe it's because i've got a couple extra ounces in my brain now i don't know what well, well, here i'll actually tell you why i still agree with you because when you see Sochek take a swing at the ball johnstone's hands move like he's trying to anticipate him getting a touch and so I feel like at that point he does interfere with the goalkeeper. And that's why I would I would agree. Yeah, I mean should. we've seen we've seen offsides given for less actions towards the ball. Yeah. So and that I will I will agree. Yes. Good call. Crystal Palace, they would get their equalizer through a absolute garbage ball of a back pass. A horror. Horror show of a back pass. From Edson Alvarez. Not sure what he was doing. Just (laughs) making a pass straight to Edson Edward, who then takes it down and scores. He said, whatever Zinchenko can do, I can do better. Now, wasn't there a goal like this? Um, Bournemouth? One of the Bournemouth players had something like this to so... Yeah. Or that Thiago Silva pass a couple weeks ago against Newcastle. Oh. Last week. About on that level. Yeah. Equally garbage. Yeah. But speaking of Bournemouth, they played Villa in what we thought would be a blowout for the villains. Ended 2-2. Bournemouth, man, they would go up twice in this game only to be pegged back twice. And the last one was a late Ollie Watkins strike, man. It started out Semenyo scores first in the 10th minute after a poor giveaway from Diego Carlos on the edge of his own box. So that one was more like a Zinchenko. <laughs> Poor giveaway. Semenyo scores it. Leon Bailey 
would level for Villa 10 minutes later with a superb left-footed finish. Isn't it common knowledge don't let Leon Bailey cut in on that left foot? It's about as common knowledge as don't let Anthony cut in on his left foot. Because neither one of them can do anything when you don't let him do that. I mean, Leon Bailey's not Ariane Robin where you know what he's going to do, but then he still does it. Yeah, I mean, he's still a good player, but you still don't let Leon Bailey cut it on his left foot. I, I thought it was common knowledge, too. Yeah. Semenyo, man, he was lucky to be on the pitch. After he got a yellow card for descent, and then he has an obvious pullback on the arm jersey of Leon Bailey. You could literally see the jersey away from his oh, body. Oh, yeah. How was that not a second yellow for a red? Again. Why didn't Moises Caicedo get sent off either? I don't know. Hands in air, hands on head, I don't know, because that's an obvious yellow. Anywhere, any other time, that is a yellow. The ref was feeling, as you were feeling for John Stone, the ref was feeling that for Semenyo, man. Because <laughs> he, so, he let him stay on. For Myth, they do get the lead through Dominic Solanke in the 52nd with a nice turn and finish. His seventh of the season and his best so far in the prem yeah man he's on fire right now um kind of with Bournemouth's form when when he's scoring goals they're not doing terrible only one loss in their last five games for Bournemouth yeah yeah three wins and a draw one loss in the last five they're pulling themselves way out of that relegation scrap and you know what was it three four weeks ago we were saying when are they going to fire their new manager? Starting to come together, it looks like, for Iriola. And as I mentioned, Ollie Watkins, he gets the equalizer right at the death in the 90th minute with a magnificent flicked header for his eighth of the season. Yeah, it sums up Ollie Watkins at the moment, man. He just can't seem to miss. He's fantastic. Check this out. Aston Villa are in fourth place, one point behind third place, Manchester City. And guess who plays each other this week? Villa. Come on, Villa. To go above City. Yeah, crazy. And you called me crazy for predicting they would finish in the top four. So long way to go. I know. Just like how I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at Luton sitting outside relegation, but barely. Well, you know, it is a long season. It's much harder to finish in fourth than it is to get out of the relegation zone because every point matters versus you got to get a lot of points to stay in the top four but let's look at them on the table man Bournemouth they sit 16th on 13 points tied on points with Nottingham Forest who are in 15th yeah man that's a big Um, jump Ray that's a big jump right there man six points out of the drop good for them they're looking fantastic they're playing some beautiful football right now I'll give them that and they're starting to surprise some people. They got a run of games coming up, I think. Um, let me look. Well, next they play Palace, and they they got they, they United, Palace, so Luton, Forest. Yeah. I mean, they could pick up some points here. I'm telling they you, they could pick up some points. And they're not all that far off at 13. They're not very far off 10th. Just six points. And we all seen how Chelsea have been this season. They're very up and, and down. Yeah. 
So be interesting. All right, man. Well, let's move to the game of the weekend. This was Manchester City hosting Tottenham Hotspur at the Etihad. This Did one ended disappoint. in a thrilling, thrilling, a thrilling, 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 three goals, three thrilling, thrilling, sorry. thrilling, thrilling, thrilling. Might three, as well just three draw, man. Yeah. And it ends in a bit of controversy, shall we say. How do you want to do this one? You want to start at the controversy or just go through the goals? Let's go through the goals because it's at the end anyways. It is at the very end. All right. So Son would put Spurs up after six minutes, man, on a beautiful counterattack. All he had was Jeremy Doku guarding him. He shrugs him off. Doku is not a defender. I got that from that little sequence of play. Right? Like he tries to play the man to get in front of Son, but Son is not only bigger than him, just He's as also fast, quick. <laughs> but he also has better attacking positioning than a guy who is not a great defender. So, yeah. Doku has no right being essentially the last man between Son and the goal. Well, he was, and he got out-muscled, outplayed. Son finishes it. Ederson? Question mark? Yes, I think he I think he definitely could have done better. And he does go down what looked like a little early, and it goes through his hands. But again, this is down to the way City are playing right now with the inverted inverted fullback. You know, certain teams match match up against it very well. Tottenham is one of those teams where they can break as soon as they get the ball. They are on attack in your final third. And Having like I said, Doku has no right to be the last man between Hillman Son and Ederson. And they got like, speed, Tottenham. Yeah, with Son, uh, Brandon Johnson, Brandon Johnson. Yeah, and then they had Brian Gill also playing on the left back, who's or not left back, but that left wing. Mm-hmm. Well, Son, man, he would score again, this time at the wrong end. He scores an own goal. I felt so bad for him because Erling Holland flicks his ball on and he's already like just running back towards the goal and just hits his knee and goes in the bottom corner. His knee, his thigh, whatever. Yeah, somewhere in there. What can you do about that? Like you just see the look on his face when it hits his knee and he's just like. Pretty much. Mouth open like. (laughs) Damn. No. (laughs) Slow motion. Oh, shit. Uh, City get the lead through Phil Foden after they just sliced and diced and minced. Yeah, I think minced is a good word for that. Because they passed the ball through that Spurs defense. I think Foden was, what, three yards out from the goal? Oh, yeah. Had simplest of finishes. Yeah. It was like three players just all the way through. Cool. Beautiful. But that's what we've been known from City. And it was it was a little bit different in the second half. City slowed down a little, shall we say, or Spurs grew into it. And they got an equalizer through Giovanni Lo Celso, man. Whew. It was a lovely goal that hits the inside of the post and goes in. Yeah. It was a it beauty. It was a beauty of a strike, but Ederson also got his hand to it. I don't think you can fault Ederson too much on that one. No, I'm saying that's how good of a strike it was. Ederson had that post covered, and it still went in. What I loved about this is Jack Relish would come on. He would get their third in the 81st minute, man, and you could tell they thought it was done and dusted. We got the win here. There's only 10 minutes or so left plus stoppage. 
and it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I mean, when the the camera panned to Pep, you could just see the look on his face, like, "Yes, we did it." Yes, even the announcers kind of were like, "Oh, they got it now." Yeah, I mean, it was a terrible giveaway from Basuma. To what was he doing? He literally dribbled. He was trying to make him into three city players. Had a pass four yards away from him. Turns around and tries to make. I think it was Rodri. What are you doing? World, I don't know. I I don't. But as I said, man, it wasn't meant to be because Spurs would equalize in the 90th. Dejan Kulisevsky, man, climbing the tower, rising above Nathan Ake, getting his head to the ball, scoring in the dying minutes to equalize. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but what was he doing? Nathan Ake, just staring at the ball. Kulisevsky runs from 30 yards away. To beat him to this ball. Literally jumping up and out-muscling him while he's in the air. A.K.A. jumping over his head. Nathan Ake had also just come on as a sub, so I'm guessing he was not up to game speed. A little cold. Kulisevsky was not. No. Yeah, great header by him. Great finish. Great anticipation for that as well. And good job Spurs, man. They impressed me in this one. It was a good job, Spurs. I will say City missed some chances. Holland had a sitter that he missed. Or three. Doku hit the crossbar. Alvarez hit the the post. Yeah. And Vicario coming up big in this one. Vicario having some nice saves. So it just kind of went, it kind of fell into Spurs' way a little bit. A little unlucky, I guess, with the own goal from Psalm. But I, I will say, I think if City have this many chances in a match, Again, the rest of the season, they don't draw or lose any of those matches. They will win it ten times out of ten. This is this is an anomaly with how many chances they had to win this match. Apparently, it's nine times out of ten. Correction, nine. Touche, huh? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's get to the big talking point, man. So at the end of the game. Erling Holland was fouled, got up from the foul pretty quickly, still had control of the ball, plays a through ball to Jack Grealish, who then gets put through on goal. And the referee then calls for the foul on Erling Holland instead of playing advantage. What was the ref thinking? So I'll tell you, it's definitely a mistake. Um, but I'm I'm guessing the ref, the referee, did not believe Jack Grealish had that much of an advantage, or could have got to the ball. Is was my only thinking on that? Yeah, I mean if that's the only thinking. Then is he I thinks mean, okay? You... There's not much of an advantage. Grealish can't get to the ball. There's just you know there's just no advantage, and so he calls it back. That would that would be my only explanation of it but at that point wouldn't you let var like if he's off sides even let var call that if it's not an advantage let him play through if he can't get the ball then call it back we've seen it happen before would have only been a couple more seconds before he got to the ball i just he made the decision to play advantage you should have let them do exactly that 
As a ref, you can't just give it and then renege it right afterwards, as soon as the ball gets played through. I, I mean, I can understand your point, especially if the ref's point of view is that it looks like a Spurs player is much closer to the ball. I understand that. And I, I also don't, I want to point out that I do not condone the actions of the City players after he blew the whistle. <laughs> the memes that have come out of it, though, are Holy pretty cow. great. If not you guys only... haven't seen any of these memes, make sure you're following our story on Instagram. I, I've right. posted a few you've, of them. You've posted some real good ones. Yes, good So make sure you're though. following us on our Instagram and, you know, maybe TikTok and YouTube. Like, yeah. subscribe, comment, yeah. mm-hmm. do your thing. Do your thing. But Erling Holland puts his hands on the ref during this point of making a meme. You never do that, man. Like, there's, there's supposed to be a rule of giving out yellow cards for people asking for cards or yelling at the ref and getting in his face. Well, you should have pretty much given a yellow card to every single player on that city squad for doing that. I just, as much as I want to, you know, say referees kind of put themselves in these situations. I still don't agree with players going up into their face and yelling them at them from three inches away. Like I, I still don't agree with that. Even though I'm one of those people. So All I can say is it's a mistake. It's a refereeing mistake, not a VAR yep. mistake. So you yep. can't harp on VAR. It was just yep. it was a refereeing mistake. And then you, you move heard, on. You heard my thoughts. I'm moving on anyways. City oh, fans right. probably Perfect. won't. Early Holland probably won't. But instead, we're going to get into match day 15, because we're in December, and the matches come thick and fast. So we got loads of games midweek. Make sure to check out our Facebook, where we post the game times. A couple of big ones to look forward to on the 6th as well. But we're going to start with the 5th, where we start with Wolves versus Burnley. Wolves have been uh, very hot and cold this season. They look good in attack at times. A defense, they look okay at times, and then you got Jose Sa. And then you got Jose. Well, he came off injured, didn't he, against Arsenal? I think so. I so really we'll see if he plays. Like he was that hurt, though. We'll On the other side, play. though, you also have Burnley, man, who are absolute yeah. garbage. After their last match, they might flying. be flying a little high. Yeah. And don't forget, Sheffield it? United's one win. Guess who that's against? Wolves. Wolves. Yeah. I'm still going to pick Wolves to win this game. Yeah, me too. I, I'm sorry, Burnley. Actually, I'm not sorry at all. You suck. Next game. <laughs> <laughs> Luton Town against Arsenal. Um, are you going to say it or am I? Go ahead, buddy. This We're is going Jersey. one way and one way only. Arsenal to stay top of the league. Build on their two-point cushion before the other two teams play. On Wednesday. Plus or minus three goals. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give Luton the credit they deserve, and I'm going to go... Are you saying Arsenal win by three goals? Yeah. I'm going to go minus. Okay. I don't think Luton scores, but I also don't think Arsenal scores three goals. Okay. On to the sixth. The big day that has... Most of the games, we're going to start it off with Sheffield United versus Liverpool. Sheffield United, bottom of the table, Liverpool second. I'm going to repeat myself again because apparently I'm a broken record today. Are you going to say it or am I? One way and one way only. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll say it again. Uh, or I'll say what you said. Liverpool by more over under three goals. <laughs> more than three. <laughs> All right. Uh, I also have Liverpool for this one. Next up. 14th against 15th. Fulham against Nottingham Forest. Forest have been very shaky away from home this season, but Fulham haven't been any better. Who you got in this one? I'm going Fulham. Fulham impressed me against Liverpool at Anfield, which is obviously probably the hardest stadium to go to. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm going to say they get something here against Forest. Okay. Especially without Awanyi, Chris Wood up there, man, that does not. He's not been convincing. Much fear. Yeah. 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 Um, Their midfield, on the other hand, is very good. Alanga, Gibbs White, Hudson Adoy, whoever else is there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I'm going full. Alanga's been on fire the last couple of games. I'll be honest with you. This is a London Derby. I don't see anything between these two teams. I'm going to draw. I'm going to be boring. All right. Next up. Crystal Palace, who have not been doing so hot lately, lost three of their last five with one win against Bournemouth for the complete opposite with three wins and one loss in their last five. If this wasn't at Selhurst Park, I would say something different, but because it is, I'm going Crystal Palace. Okay. I assume Michael Elise. I'd say I assume Abriche Eze is still out for this one. That I don't know. I'd have okay. to look that up. Well, that would influence my decision. If both <clears throat> Olise and Eze are both healthy, that's different Crystal Palace than the one I saw this weekend. But the game I saw where Bournemouth held Villa, I'm going to pick Bournemouth. They played good football, they played good gonna, football didn't I'm they? I'm going to pick Bournemouth. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm sticking with it. I know how many times last season going against Roy Hodgson bit me in the ass. <laughs> but I'm going to keep so many doing times. It. So oh many times. Oh my gosh. So many times. Next up, we got, you know, I'm low-key excited for this next one. A we little got bit. Brighton against Brentford. Both teams have been struggling, desperately need a win. I mean, Brighton's got one win and three draws in their last five matches. Brentford's got three wins and two losses. Who you got in this one? I'm going for a draw, man. Brighton are the draw kings. <laughs> Them in Manchester City, apparently. Why would I pick anything else? Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's a great shout. Um, the way that Brighton look and attack right now, and the way they hold their high line, I'm going to go with Brentford in this one. Okay. Going outside the box. Brentford to catch them on the break. I think they just match up really well against Brighton. That Especially is, with yeah, all the injuries that they have. But Brentford are really really well drilled defensively, very compact, and like you said, could break on that counter. Mm-hmm. Next up, the perennial draw of the season. Manchester United against Chelsea at Old Trafford. Chelsea flying high right now, man. After their win this weekend, however, yeah, now it's time they're for forming. them to come back down. Don't you know that's how Chelsea say, they is? They literally have, well, 
I think it's yeah, it's time for a draw because in their last five games, it literally goes loss, win, draw, loss, win, draw. That's what I think, <laughs> man. A draw. I swear, Man United Chelsea always ends in a damn draw. Yeah, I watch it be like zero zero or some bullshit. Probably, probably, kind of like Liverpool and Chelsea. That one also ends nil nil. Uh, I'm gonna not go with a draw on this one because I just I feel like with the way that this, this Chelsea squad is attacking right now versus the way that United is playing on defense I think Chelsea get a win here see I think it's the opposite I think United with uh, Harry Maguire back there Luke Shaw back are actually not defending terribly it's no. going forward Man United are terrible which you saw on their goal differential they can't mm. score goals yeah and Chelsea can't keep the ball out of the net. So it might be a draw. I don't think it's going to be nil-nil. I think it might be a little more entertaining than that. Let's hope so. But I think I think Chelsea squeak out a win in this one. Finally move up the table after sitting 10th for what seems like an eon. <laughs> Haven't they been there for the past 18 months? Pretty much. That's why I said an eon. And then the big game. The game um, I'll watch. The week, we have Aston Villa against Manchester City at Villa Park. Aston Villa undefeated in 18 matches at home. Is this the match where that streak ends, Targo? Yeah. Why? It's Man City, man. I, I don't want them to. I want Villa to get something from this game. But I think there's going to be goals in this game. I think it's going to be a fun, entertaining match to watch. But City, man, they haven't won in three. Three draws in a row. At least that you can say you they can't be beat right now. They can't be beat. You're right. But they but also think... can't stop letting in goals. I mean, there was, a what, four goals by Chelsea in there, three goals by Spurs. It's a lot. Two goals against Leipzig. A couple by Liverpool. Yeah. But yeah, I got to go City, man. It's just... It's Man City. I don't think they go that many games without a win. So that's that's what I'm picking. All right. Well, I'm going to prove your point and then go the other direction. Because I do think City match up very well against his Villa side, especially when they play, because Villa plays such a high line. When I Emery and the way that this Villa team is playing up front and how bad Manchester City is playing on defense, especially when you catch them on the break, I am going up the Villa. Aston Villa to beat Manchester City. Let's go. Kane will be very proud of your choice. Yes, I sure hope so, and I hope that I'm right for both our sakes. On the 7th, we kick it off with Everton and Newcastle. This one is at Goodison Park. Do you see it going any other way but a win for Newcastle? Everton have been playing better, but Newcastle, man, even with all these injuries, they just find a way. Yeah. They they just keep eking out wins. 1-0, doesn't matter. But if Nick Pope is out, do you think that still they will keep a clean sheet? Uh, they could not keep a, keen, keep a clean sheet, but 
Do you remember that goal or that assist, I guess, Alexander Isak had at Goodison Park last year, man, where he just slid through that Everton defense? It was beautiful. Yes, I do remember it. It's hard to forget, honestly. That was amazing, yeah. Yeah. But I'm going Newcastle. Yeah, me too. I'm not going to pick against Newcastle right now because no matter what happens, they still seem to win. So, Unless you're from Germany. Unless you're from Germany. Next up, we have a London derby. Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham United. West Ham creeping up there, man. I mean, they're only six points behind Spurs at this point you in the say season. creeping up there, but remember at the beginning of the season when they were up there and then came yeah. back down to where but West Ham kind of should be? You, you, could al- you could also say... Same thing about Spurs. Same thing about Spurs. <laughs> they were, up, came they back were up there, and then they went down to where Spurs should be. This one's at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think Romero is back for this one, if I'm not mistaken. He should be, yes. So no more Emerson Royale at center back. <laughs> Who you got in this one? <laughs> oh, I'm going. I'm going Spurs, man. I love the way they play. They're so fun to watch. It's terrible to say it. It is. Damn, do they score goals? And damn, do they concede goals? Yep. Which is why I'm picking West Ham because I love just like City and Aston Villa. I love how West Ham li- will line up against. Tottenham, I think matchup wise, it's a great fit because West Ham likes to play a deeper line. Here's what I don't like. So Mikel Antonio's been injured, and mm-hmm. Jared Bowen's been playing that striker role. Yeah, I don't like that either. Three. I'd rather see Mohamed Kudis up there. But I honestly would rather see anybody but either one of them up front. Maybe put Suchek up front. He's been scoring goals. Well, I mean, they have Danny Ings sitting on the bench, but. This is a Danny, Danny Ings, Ings type of game where you snatch a win at the death. Just saying, David Moyes. I think you're probably right in this one, but I'm sticking with my pick. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, those, that's going to be one heck of a week of football, man. This brings us to the end of this episode. What a week of it was in the weekend, man. It Tottenham, Bryan, Man City. The Liverpool comeback. Arsenal staying top of the table. And we got a, another fun week of football to look forward to. Make sure you guys are following us again on all of our socials, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, subscribing, hitting that notification bell. All the five stars on your favorite podcast platforms. I'm Targo. This is Redbeard. This is Bruising Banter. As always, you guys, thank you so much for listening. We love you. And cheers. <laughs>